Hey everybody, welcome to or welcome back to the Into the Impossible podcast. I am your fearful host, Dr. Brian Keating, although I will be slightly less fearful after reviewing this wonderful conversation I had with the world-renowned, world-famous YouTube sensation Evan Carmichael, uh, who has uh, about a dozen YouTube channels, uh, millions of subscribers uh, all over the world. But what's so interesting to me is that he's very humble. He's extremely humble. He's a uh, he's a, a disciplined person, a very successful person, and he doesn't really seem to believe his own you know PR. Uh, he has an amazing team uh, that helps him out. But I think what really signified to me that you in the audience, who's used to thinking about scientific uh, discoveries, uh, life on Venus, and uh, the mysteries of the multiverse, will appreciate is how to overcome the natural fears that we have, even those of you, I won't include myself humbly, uh, but I will say those of you in the audience who are exceptionally high you know, performers and how you can do that. And still in his way, he feels incredibly uh, unsuccessful in some sense. And it's just amazing to me the humility that he has after the success he has. Uh, we didn't have a chance to get really into the book, but some of his tips on what you should do when you feel scared to give a scientific talk, to speak to the to the press, to speak to uh, your students, uh, friends, communicate what you do in the sciences, outside the sciences, were really refreshing, exceptionally actionable, and I, I really enjoyed it. He's a very humble guy. He stuck around afterwards just to 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 chat, even though he's got you know, a full-fledged uh, day and studio ahead of him. He uh, He's seeking knowledge. He's seeking to help people's lives. Uh, incredibly um, prolific person, especially uh, such a young age to, to be doing what he's doing for, for so long now. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Impossible Podcast with Evan Carmichael. A little bit of a change, but I think you'll get a lot out of this episode. Please remember, as they say, to like, comment, subscribe, review, post, I don't know, do, do whatever you have to do uh, so that we get more attention for the podcast on iTunes and on YouTube. Thank you so much. Enjoy today's episode. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Let's get started today. Today, my guest is none other than the uh, effervescent, unbelievable wow. uh, Evan, Evan Carmichael. Uh, I'm working on all these, you know, SAT words that we Big can Big words. Make. I like it. You can actually make most of those from your name. <laughs> your name is so long that it has uh, uh, so many different uh, so many different aspects of it. Um, there you go. It's good, good for Scrabble, I guess. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I wonder what the uh, bonus, bonus score would be for that. Uh, so... I've been really fascinated by you, and I first want to have a shout out to my uh, friend, who, although I've never met, I've talked to people that she's recommended and uh, pro and, and uh, proffered to me, but I've never met her or talked to her, and that's Rena Friedman uh, Watts, uh, Watts Friedman, who's a podcaster in her own right. She's the proprietress of the Better Call Daddy uh, podcast, wonderful podcast. Thank you so much, Rena, for connecting with Evan. Evan, uh, you are many things, and I want to try to understand a little bit of how you get so much done. And I assume you have the same amount of time as as I do, which is twenty four hours. Although in Canada, you know, anything goes, right? You you might have more time. We've legislated <laughs> more time here north of the border. That's right. Uh, it goes I more slowly. Have, I probably have less time because I uh, I did a sleep study test, and uh, I was really hoping that's like I wasn't sleeping very well. And I woke mm. up tired, and. Uh, I was trying to find some hack and I went to do a sleep test and he said, there's no hack. You just need to sleep eight and a half to nine hours. Mm. You don't get enough oxygen in your system while you're sleeping. And it's not, it's not 
severe enough to get the CPAP machine. Although if you want one, we can, you can get yeah. you on one, but basically you just need to sleep eight and a half to nine hours a night. And I was going in hoping, okay, how do I get down to six and still feel super energetic? So, yeah. so yeah, we, we all have the same 24 hours, but I need to sleep eight and a half to nine to, to uh, function properly. I always say I get up at five at the, at the crack of five every day. I go to the bathroom and go back to sleep for another eight hours. So <laughs> that's my secret. Uh, we all have our, have our discipline. You might want to get one of these rings. I got one of these rings here. This is an Ura ring that actually tracks your sleep, tracks your resting heart rate, your heart rate variability, all sorts. I don't know how techy you are. I assume okay, you're quite- okay. I love, I love tracking. What do you do with the data? Like, how has it actually made you a better sleeper? So it doesn't make necessarily make me a better sleeper, although it will kind of like, I was joking with my wife. I'm like, it stresses me out to think about like lowering my stress uh, with this sleep thing. But uh, what it will do, I'm a pilot in my, uh, as a hobby. And if I get like a really bad sleep score and it's, you know, it's from zero to a hundred, I've never gotten above an 80 something. I've got a bunch of young kids at home, by the way. Uh, but, uh, uh, but if it's really low, I won't, I won't fly. I, I will say this is not, uh, it's not, it just doesn't make sense for me to fly. I'll postpone it. Luckily I don't have to get anywhere nowadays with any alacrity whatsoever, but I would use it as a post optimization metric rather than kind of pre-gaming how I'm going to sleep. I think the only way to do it, there's, uh, I have had guests on Dr. Judson Brewer and others, um, you know, meditation, there's lots of ways to help you with that. This ring won't do that. It's like monitoring your calories or something, which is another topic I want to talk to you about. So, I I mean, I love data. I've got, I've got a Fitbit on me right now. My goal Mm -hmm. is 20,000. I'm at, I'm at 14,000 jumps. I'm on a trampoline all day yeah, long. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, I, I love data. I just struggled with the, any of the sleep tracking stuff. I like, I like that. That's a good idea. I mean, for me, there really is, I guess there's always an option, right? If I, if I scored a 14 on the sleep score, do I cancel all of my appointments today? I mean, maybe I'm sure everybody would understand and say, Hey Brian, sorry, man, we got to wait till next time. I think, I'm sure people would understand, uh, but I, I'm more, I, I mean, it makes sense. Like, Hey, if your kids were really noisy last night, that destroys your sleep score. So I'm going to tell them, you know, be quiet or try to figure something else out. Right. <laughs> or, but, or have someone else drive them to school. Right. It's the that's... input. Like, how do I change the input to get a better sleep that I, that, that I, I that I can't feel. Right. I mean, if I stay up really late, I know I'm going to get a crappy sleep score. If I drink coffee at 10 o'clock at night, I know I'm not going to sleep very well. Like, I don't need a ring to tell me that. So that's where I really struggle is I want, I badly want to get data to make me optimize everything. And sleep is super important. I don't know how to use the data that tells me I got a crappy sleep score, how to make that better. Right. Yeah. So for me, again, it's, it's really looking at it in terms of like risk analysis in the night, in the upcoming day, rather than, I mean, you can use it. There are tick, the, you know, kind of what people that do, you know, if you see patterns over time, you know, it's like, you don't wait for the, the heart attack to say, Oh, I, I shouldn't have gone, you know, had that eight, uh, eighth cheeseburger yesterday. You know, you don't, you don't wait for it. So it's kind of like looking at trends over time and you'll see, look, maybe you'll see when you, you need more vacation. I mean, you work, 
nonstop. I've heard about your schedule. You do certain things on certain days. Maybe that's not right. Maybe you shouldn't do all your YouTube stuff on Tuesdays. You know, maybe you should like, maybe you'll tweak it up. Maybe Saturday, you know, Fridays is a better day because you have the weekend to recover. I don't know. Um, I feel like it's like, you know, if, if I'm asking you for advice about cosmology and the origin of the universe, like I feel like I should be asking you these questions about how to, <laughs> I got, how to improve I got my nothing life. For you, like, whoa, what do you think we're signing up for today, Brian? I got nothing on that. <laughs> no, but I did want to talk about weight loss and, and talk about all sorts of other things. But first, I want to kind of introduce you for my audience might, you know, is usually used to seeing scientists and, and leader, you know, peak performers and kind of billionaires and, and, and sort of uh, interesting people in different spaces, academic freedom. I just talked to another Canadian uh, by the name of God Saad today. He's a popular podcaster on YouTube as well. Um, not not quite at the he's he's one order of magnitude below you, and then I'm That's like okay. five orders of magnitude below him. So you can kind of do the math and where I'm at. But uh, but I do want to talk about that for for my audience as well uh, because okay. I'm fascinated by people that that have a mission statement, that have a vision. A lot of us have a strategy where we want to be at the end of our life, but how do you get there is all based on uh, the tactics that you employ on a regular basis. So I find fascinating about you, uh, in addition to your, I think I've counted eight YouTube channels uh, that you're the proprietor of in one way or another, uh, main channels, success channel, entrepreneur channels. Um, you have a channel for Black Excellence, the best of Gary V. just again, on and on and on. It's incredibly impressive. But you're the author of two books, and I really want to talk about those books. I don't usually ask the authors to recapitulate the whole book because I want you to have massive book sales, and I, I don't like it when I was giving a talk about my my book, Losing the Nobel Prize, and people are saying, well, tell us the entire thesis of your book and exactly what's on every page. You know, no, I, I want to sell some books, actually, uh, but and I want to sell your book. But I want to understand how you came to this mission. You've got on your shirt, so I'm a pilot. I told you that already. Um, if I was going to choose an emblem to uh, that exemplifies the wonder, the majesty, the, the hopefulness of the four forces of flight, that allow a, a plane to stay aloft. I would not choose a tenuous tendril of an aircraft such as a paper airplane. I would choose my spirit animal. My spirit airplane is the A-10 Warthog. It's ugly. Okay. It's it's huge. It's bulky. It carries tons of weapons and it likes to get down and dirty. Why would okay. you choose a paper airplane? Got it. That's a great question. So so my logo is a is a gold paper airplane, and I did it because that to me represents entrepreneurship. So we want entrepreneurs, we want to go further. We want to get out of where we are now. We want to build something. We want to explore. We want to, we want to fly. That's what we want to do. But we don't have money. You know, at the beginning, nobody's got money. You don't have the resources. You probably don't have the connections. I mean, if you do, bless you. But most people, you're setting up with nothing. And you didn't go to school for it. And, you know, so you, you, but you've got the tenacity, you've got the will, you've got the hard work, you've got the drive. So to me, that's a paper airplane. It's not a jet or it's not your favorite airplane. Like that costs a lot. How much does your, your thing cost? Uh, to buy well, you can't buy the uh, A-10 Warthog. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's military. But yeah, <clears throat> if you wanted like, to, $20 million. $20 million? Yeah, perfect. Great. Like nobody's got $20 million to start a business, but you got a piece of paper. So start. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of like we're, we're, we're battling the elements and our, our the the, the edges are getting torn and tattered and bruised, but we still fly. And if you watch the videos, when we first did that airplane and we animated it, my editor added this airplane noise to it. And it sounded like this crop duster kind of coming across the screen. I'm like, it doesn't feel big enough. You know, like, <laughs> sure, a paper airplane 
sounded like a crop duster. I guess it's big for a paper airplane because there's no engine on a paper airplane. But I want it to be a jet and I want it to break the sound barrier. So the airplane flies across the screen and then you hear the sonic boom of it breaking a sound barrier. And, and for a paper airplane to do that, I think that's what entrepreneurs do every day. So that's, that's the story behind the paper airplane. Now, why, why should anyone want to be an entrepreneur? I mean, it's fraught with legal challenges, financial challenges, stress, the, the whole burden is on you, taxes, regulations. Uh, I take my hat off to you. I, I work in an industry, the professorship industry. I don't have to make, I lose money on every sale, so to speak. My, my, my uh, production is only to make academic research papers, maybe do some outreach, speaking, communicating to the public, um, and, and which I love, teaching to my students. I don't, I don't have you know, responsibilities, uh, the crushing weight of employees, HR, uh, taxes, regulations, like I said. Why should anyone want to do it? It's so risky. And as you said, you start off, it's almost infinite downside and very low chance of upside. Why do it? Uh, I think it's just a perspective. You know, I, I think the same thing of like, why should I be, why should I go to school? What's the point of going to university? Am I going to Some of the people behind that? you didn't. Some of the people right behind your shoulder did not go to university or dropped sure, out. Sure, and it's just a perspective shift. Like you found the career path that works really well for what you love and and allows you to do your work and write books and inspire students. And but there's a lot of like if I stepped into your life, I would I would hate myself in, in like eight minutes, just because I'm I don't want to do what you're doing and, and vice versa. So what, what you see as all these problems, I see as, yeah, okay. And like, it's nothing compared to the impact I get to have and the business I get to build and the life I get to create for myself and the team I get to hire. I get to pick who works with me and I get to have whatever, 360 million views around the world, the people who I'm inspiring, right? So I see all the positive, just like if I would look at your career, I just see all the things that I would never want to do. I don't want to have to I don't want to deal with the boss. I don't want to have to deal with university timelines. I don't, but you're saying, oh, that stuff doesn't, I mean, sure it's there, but all these positives, I get to do all these, right? So I think it's just a self-awareness thing. And it's, I think it's amazing that not everybody, we just like package kids up and they can only do one thing and that's it forever. I think that's part of the journey of becoming an, uh, an adult human. And especially now in a 2020, 2021 environment, the choices available to us, our parents didn't have. You know, I'm 40 right now. The, the, the opportunities available to my parents at 40, it's crazy. The fact that we'd be having this conversation, like this wouldn't <laughs> exist to my parents. So there's so many more opportunities to pick the path that you want to go off and do. And it's never been more easy to accomplish. I think everybody should try everything at the beginning. Micro dose on it and just see, right? Like, how do you know if you like sushi until you try it? I did. I don't. Well, listen, sushi sounds disgusting. You're going to take raw fish and wrap it in seaweed <laughs> with some rice, dip it in some crazy hot mustard, and, and you're going to pay for that, right? I mean, it sounds nasty. Now, you don't like it, but a lot of people do. I like sushi, but, but it, on paper, it doesn't look like you would actually like it. So I think people should try it. Uh, I think people should try entrepreneurship. I think people should try YouTube. I think people should try to write. I think people should try to be a good student. Like, I think you should try these things and then see what you gravitate towards, whether you, you don't even have to be good at it. It's just, do you like it? Because if you like writing, 
but you suck at it and you're making spelling mistakes and all of this stuff. And you might have people around you telling you that you'll never be a writer. But if you just like it and you keep doing it, you'll get great at it. And yeah, so I think people need to try more things. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, you don't know what's going to blossom in a field until you water it and give it fertilizer. And I think that's a lesson uh, uh, people overlook because they're so scared of failure. You know, we talk about, you know, fear of success, FOMO, fear of missing out. There's a lot of fear in academia. You know, you have all these gatekeepers. I talked with our mutual friend, James Altucher, about this uh, earlier this year and how, you know, his whole thesis is choosing yourself. And mm -hmm. in your case, it's all about believing. And I wonder, uh, when you, when, when I think about belief, I, I think I don't, I, I don't actually believe in gravity. Like I don't believe in the law of evolution. I've got evidence for it. So, so, you know, I, I know that it takes place because we have evidence for it. And so scientists don't believe things as as people maybe of faith. And I'm not denigrating uh, religion at all. Uh, my listeners know that. But uh, but things that you have to believe in are necessarily those things for which we don't have evidence. So what on what basis you, you did your interview with James last year and you said you met someone and he said something like, you're the only person who ever believed in me. You, Evan Carmichael, mm -hmm. and you never met this guy. So what is it about belief that is so empowering to the person who is believed in? I think it's the world's biggest problem. I, uh, I think I think everybody, I start with the premise that everybody's got Michael Jordan level genius at something. Like you're the best in the world at something, but you don't, you don't believe that you are. And just to the thing about evidence, I would, I would push back on that. You know, I did a interview with James, right? So a mutual friend. We went to his New York comedy club. We did a, he asked me to come on his show and lights and cameras. And, um, you know, I had known him for a while, but that was, I think our first time ever like meeting in the same room. Great. So it went fantastic. I taught him and uh, had a merengue dance uh, with my wife. We had a great time. Great show. Did super well. He was then going to come on my Instagram to do a Instagram live together. And before that happened, I was a little nervous. My heart's beating. It's like, I don't, want to, I don't want to disappoint James. We're not actually afraid of failing. We're afraid of failing in front of people. We're afraid of failing in who sees us. We'll sing in the shower, but we won't sing on the street corner because you're afraid of the, the judgment of you failing, not the actual failure. So I'm getting a little nervous before going live with James. Why? I, I know James. He's not a super close homie, but you know, I, I, we've, we've, we've done videos already. All the evidence tells me that everything will go super well, and yet I still have the doubt. That's the lack of belief. So evidence is great, I love it, but it's not enough because we're not just rational creatures. We're emotional. And it's that emotion that prevents us from taking the action. If we just did everything rationally, we'd, we'd take shots on things a lot more. But it's our fear of disappointing others and our fear of failing in front of other people that prevents us from actually taking action that we need to. So that's why I think belief is at the core. When you believe in the ability to go off and create something, whether this one thing, and maybe this show, the one thing that you do doesn't work, but the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, the belief that it's possible or the hope that you could be in a better spot than you are right now. Without yeah. that belief that you can change your life, you don't change your life, despite all the evidence being otherwise. There's lots of people who came from where you're at with less than what you've got, and they went off and crushed it, and you're not because of the story you told yourself, not just because of the evidence. So I think it's both. It's not just like black and white evidence, that's it. Um, 
we make emotional decisions. And so you have to tap into those emotions to serve you instead of hold you back. Now, I know you've described yourself as an introvert, and uh, that doesn't seem to have hampered you. I know a lot of successful people are actually introverted. There's an old joke about, you know, a scientist. How do you know a scientist is not an introvert? Well, it's when he looks at your shoes when he talks to you instead of his own. And But I look <laughs> at you, and I, I think, like, you've succeeded in this realm. Like, eventually there has to come a level where you're not going to be as, as uh, suspicious or worried about your traits. Like we say in science, we say the, um, you know, the plural of anecdotes is not data. In other words, just because you have a whole bunch of personal experience doesn't count as evidence, but it sounds like, and I agree with you in the personal realm, there should come a time. Like, you know, like, are you nervous that your wife doesn't really love you? I mean, you're, you got like after a certain amount of time, what, is it still true that you'll feel this, this nagging insecurity after everything? I mean, you've accomplished more than, you know, the top, you know, hundredth of a percent of people in your field. You're, you're a success, you know, and a thought leader in your field. Yeah. How is, is that, is that just never going to leave you? I mean, if, if it's, in other words, if you don't feel that you've reached this level of self-confidence, what hope is there for a schlub like me? Uh, there's a great quote that I like, which says beyond the mountain, is more mountains. Yeah. <laughs> You're never done climbing. You don't want to hit the top of the mountain because then you hate your life. As humans, we want to grow and continue to learn. Like, I think if you don't have anything in your calendar that get, pumps your heart a little bit with, with nerves and anxiety or excitement, whatever you want to call it, if you don't have anything in your calendar for the next month that does that to you, I think you hate your life. I think you're just photocopying the same day over and over and over and over and over again. And so, sure. Uh, getting on, if, if I was to do this 10 years ago, I would, I would be freaking out. I want to know every question you're going to ask me. I, you know, I want to have it all laid out because I'd be worried about disappointing you, about not being a good guest on your show. Um, that's much less of a worry right now because I've done, I don't know how many, how many shows. Uh, but, but it's still, I don't want to, I don't want to show up late. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to not have good answers, you know, for you. I, it's still a concern. Um, but less so. And now I'm capable of doing bigger things. I'm capable of going on a stage with 2000 people. Uh, and that's the thing that freaks me out. Or, or this today I had a Instagram live with a woman who wrote a new book and she's got four and a half million followers on Instagram. And I don't know, I've never heard of her before. And now I have to interview her about her book. So I'm researching her and my heart's beating like, oh my gosh, I hope I don't ask a stupid question or the wrong question or whatever, right? It's not paralyzing. I think that's the point. It's like yeah. teaching yourself to lean in on those moments. If you're worried, if your heart's beating, if you've got an idea to write a book, to start a show, to interview somebody, to whatever, and your heart's beating, I think that means it's go time where we've been trained to say, let's play small. Let's not do it. Let's back down. That's too scary. It's, it's not physically scary, right? Yeah. Like don't jump from a plane with no parachute. That's scary, but it's stupid, right? Right. Most of the things that we're not doing is because of, again, the fear of rejection or the fear of, of how people see us. And that is like teaching yourself that's not a good enough reason not to act. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's resonates with something else. James always lives by a rule that if he's not scared to hit the publish button, he won't write that. He won't submit the article. He has to be scared about it. And he's gotten into some trouble, but you know, he's an incredibly courageous person. You have a few more minutes, Evan. I, don't, I want to be mindful of your time. Uh, 
yeah, we got, we got, we got, I got four more minutes. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So first I want to say a famous quote by Galileo Galilei, who's the first astronomer to ever use a telescope. He says, uh, make measurable what is not measurable and, uh, and measure what is measurable. So I want to ask you as a leader or as a podcast, like, how do you know you're doing a good job? It can't just be views and thumbs up. I mean, those are meaningless in some sense. How do you know, Evan Carmichael, at the end of the day, when you do your inventory, your accounting of your day, your soul, how do you know you did a good job? I think how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself is the game to play. And so I have a thing at night that I call the pillow test, which is before I hit my head on the pillow, am I proud of the effort that I put in today? The effort, not the result, because the results can, can vary a lot during the day, right? If, if you tie yourself worth to getting results, then you're only going to, one, do things that you know you're going to get a result in. And so you, therefore you play small for life and you only have these little small moments of when you get a result. So it's much more about the effort. Did I play full out today? Am I proud of what I did today? Uh, and that's, that's ongoing. So today, you know, so we're recording this on a Thursday and Thursday is my public facing day where I'm doing interviews and podcasts, um, you know, the whole day. And did I, did I show up? Did I, did I try to answer the question? Did I, you know, am I sitting, Oh, I wish I said this to Brian when he asked me that question, I wish I knew that airplane or, you know, like whatever it is, are you proud of the effort that you put in today? Because if you're constantly proud of the effort, the results will happen. They will come. If you're putting in your max effort, you may not be happy with the result for the day. If you have a, a, a writing count for your book and you want to get a 500 words done today, you might write 500 words that are crap and not be happy with it. The result isn't there, but you did the 500 words. And I, I pat myself on the back for doing the 500 words. And hopefully that leads to like, if I did that every day, not every day is going to be great, yeah. but I will ultimately create great things. All right. The final question. I usually ask a bunch of questions <clears throat> to close out the show, but uh, I'll just ask the, the main one that I'm most interested to hear from you. And it comes from the name of this podcast. This is called the Into the Impossible podcast. And those uh, three words are my three words. And they come from Sir Arthur C. Clarke's so-called third law. And he said, the only way of discovering the limits of the possible is to venture a little way past them into the impossible. In other words, when you were 20, 30 years old, what thing seemed literally impossible to you? Not like we'd have a phone in our pocket, but to you, Evan Carmichael, but you had the courage, you had the discipline, you had the ethic and integrity. And because of those traits of yours, you were able to do the impossible. Yeah, uh, even this, like go back 10 years uh, when I'm, I just started my YouTube channel 11 years ago. I was super shy, introverted, afraid of being on camera. I uh, I wouldn't be on a show like this. And why I'm trying to lean into like the introvert and all that kind of stuff is to say that I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm a normal, like I'm just a normal guy. You know, a lot of your audience is probably already better at some of the things that I do than, than I was when I started. And I think everybody listening, think about who you were 10 years ago or five years ago. What you're doing right now seems like an impossibility to the person you used to be. Already, like you are, in a, everybody listening, you, you've done some things. If you've grown at all over the last 10 years, 10 year younger version of you, what you're doing now, they would see as that's not possible. And, and that is actually wrapped up everybody's purpose. Like your purpose is to show 10 years younger you of what is actually possible. Yeah. Because there's, there's millions of people right now who currently are 
10 years younger version of you. And they have no hope and they don't feel like things are possible. Uh, so you can guide them. You can be a, you can be their spirit animal and you can show them that the path is possible. When, when, a, when a Brian or an Evan, like they, you may not listen to us, but they'll listen to you because you've been through what they're going through. That's right. Well, Evan Carmichael, I want to thank you so much for what you do, uh, everything you did, you do for both me personally. We've never met, but you've, you've had a great impact uh, on uh, a lot of different aspects of my life. I certainly know that's true of millions of people around the world. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, be blessed in everything you do. And I uh, just want to thank you so much. Uh, author of Your One Word and the latest Built to Serve, Evan Carmichael. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for the fun. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic.